I wanted to introduce to you today our guest speaker. This is Dan Hickman. You probably have seen him up here on stage before. He works at Dow as a chemical engineer, but he volunteers here at the church. He leads the worship arts leadership team, as well as he has taught some faith path foundations classes in the children's area. And what that is, is um, we have speakers come in and help our parents focus on a specific spiritual milestone in the life of a child. So it could be prayer. Could be service, could be reading the Bible, could be family time, scripture memory, different things like that. Dan and his wife Sarah have faithfully taught that. Giving parents tools and resources to disciple their kids. And another reason I asked Dan to serve here too is because um, that has blessed my life. And in some of the examples he shared about he how he and Sarah have intentionally discipled their own kids. So he has two kids, Luke and Leah, who are grown. And Dan also, um, I love his heart for our church. And one of his prayers for the church is that we would worship God 24-7, not just on Sundays, but that our lives would be an act of worship to God. So thank you, Dan, for speaking with us today. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. I'm, I'm privileged to, to share with you for a few minutes some things that the Lord has placed in my heart. And I want to start in the book of Joshua. We're going to read the passage uh, that goes with the, the cartoon and the lesson we've already been exposed to. So if you have a Bible, flip it open to Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to start at the top of that chapter. In the Blue Bibles, I think it's page 260 or something like that. By the way, you may have noticed my shirt doesn't have the same blue hue as the other blue shirts around. And that's, that's what dates me. My children are this generation of blast people. And they're now well advanced and my grayness and wrinkles have gone with them in that process. Okay, Joshua chapter 6. Starting at verse 1. Now, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, Then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So here we have the Lord's command to Joshua. How did Joshua respond? You skip ahead to verse 7. It says, and he said to the people, go forward. So Joshua obeyed. And that's the first point that I want to reinforce. We've heard it already this morning. Our obedience demonstrates our love to God. And this point reminds me of a, a moment that I share with my daughter when we were in the midst of that discipling our children back uh, many years ago now. She approached me with the question. She said, well, well, Daddy, if if God wanted us to love and obey him, why did he put the tree in the garden and give us the chance to sin? And the answer to that question is simple but profound. Without the choice, we can't obey and without obeying, we can't truly love God. So God 
seeks for us to love him. And we are asked and called to love him by obeying him. So Joshua said, go forward. Remember, Israel had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness because they had been disobedient. They hadn't obeyed the Lord. And as a result, he prevented them from entering the land until a generation passed by. And only Joshua and Caleb were were remaining of that original crew that entered the land. Uh, But what did he say? He said, go forward. He didn't say, look back. You guys are failures. And I think the same thing applies to us. Wherever we are in our walk, if it's parenting, if it's being a kid, or if we're grandparents or something else, uh, we need to go forward from today. Go forward and obey the Lord. So in the context of family and children and parenting, how do we do that? Start with the kids. How do kids obey the Lord? Well, now we're going to jump to Ephesians. We've been going through Ephesians since the first of the year. We're going to take a preview today at the first four verses of Ephesians. So if you want to look in your Bible, we're going to Ephesians 6. It will also be on the screen. I'm going to read the first three verses where Paul tells us God's command for children. This is how you obey the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So kids obey the Lord by obeying their parents in the Lord. It's that simple. And we heard about that moments ago as Christy was talking with the kids. That verse ends with in the Lord. So children are to obey their parents in the Lord. That tells me that the parents need to be in the Lord. And that leads in to the next point, which Paul then clarifies in verse four, where he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So a third lesson for this morning is that parents obey the Lord by discipline and instruction of their children in the Lord. So we build up our kids. We raise our kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So how do we do this? What what are some practical things we can do? Well, the the Bible has some great examples for us, and we're going to pick a few of those out. And a, a couple of them are from the story of Joshua. So let's go back there. As the leader of Israel... Joshua was present with Moses at Mount Sinai. Now Moses alone met with the Lord where he received the 10 commandments and other instructions from the Lord, which he wrote down in books like Deuteronomy and Leviticus and numbers, Leviticus and numbers. Among those instructions were some commands to observe three annual feasts, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks and the feast of booths. I want you to keep the feast of booths in mind for a moment. Imagine that the the nation of Israel is obeying the Lord's command to observe this feast on an annual basis. And they've done this for centuries. And now it's the time of Jesus. In John 7, 37, it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the Feast of Booths, I won't get into the details of what that feast is about, but it's a week-long process, at least. And part of that process, we know from historical sources outside of the Bible, in in the days after Jesus, or sorry, the days leading up to Jesus, when the temple was present in Jerusalem, the Israelites would practice a thing during the Feast of Booths called the water-drawing ceremony. And, And some, at least one scholar believes, that's why Jesus refers to 
this out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus was referring to the picture that they were experiencing of water that was part of this ritual that I'm going to describe to you. So according to this scholar, the high priest would take a golden pitcher and draw water from the pool of Siloam. So there's a picture of the pool of Siloam that may or may not be archaeologically accurate, but for now just picture this place in Jerusalem outside of the temple. And then there's a painting on the right where the priests would gather and the high priest would dip his golden pitcher into the water and gather some water, collect some water, and then a procession of people, priests, musicians, pilgrims, they would all follow him back into the, into the temple through what, what is called the water gate, and they would approach the altar. Now, here's the thing that I think is really cool. When they approached the altar, on the, they would do this for seven days. The first day, they would march around the altar one time. The second day, they would repeat this ceremony. And when they entered, they would walk around the altar one time. Guess how many times they went around the altar on the seventh day? Seven times. Yeah. And on that day, they would sing some psalms, and it would be a celebration of what the Lord had done for them. I believe that what they were doing is reenacting what the Lord had done for them at Jericho way back in the day of Joshua. And I think this is a pattern for us as believers, not just parents, but especially parents, a pattern for us to follow in our lives where we can practice certain rituals to remind us of what God has done for us, what he has done for all of us as believers. And we do that as we gather every Sunday morning on a weekly basis, every seventh day we meet together And that's a pattern that's gone on since the beginning when God created in seven days. Joshua had also done something similar at the Lord's instruction before they entered Jericho. If you go back to Joshua 4, it says, When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Pause. What stones am I talking about? They crossed the Jordan River, similar to the crossing of the Red Sea, where God parted the water so they could cross on dry land. And God commanded them to take 12 stones and set them up as, as memorials. And so, so then God said to Mo, Joshua, when your children ask in time to come, or Joshua said to the people, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Another example of establishing a memory to help us remember what the Lord has done. So I think this is a a great tool for parents especially to use, but all of us to use in our lives. Let's use annual events. And we do this, most of us do this at least a little bit with Christmas and Easter. And you can probably always do a little bit more to focus that on what God has done for us. But you might also find family memories that you want to, say, reenact or retell on a regular, maybe annual basis to teach your children, this is what the Lord has done for us. But it's more than doing this once a year at Christmas and Easter and maybe a few other holidays or special events, birthdays. God actually calls us to much more than that. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So first of all, he says, these words need to be on our hearts. All of us, not just young children. Yes, as we get older and grayer, it's harder to remember stuff. But God's commands should be on our hearts. So we should know his word, which means we should immerse ourselves in his word. And then second, for those of us who are parents, we need to teach these things diligently. When you rise up in the morning, when you're driving in the car, when you go to bed at night, if you eat breakfast together or dinner, or when you're doing something else as a family, working in the yard, going for a walk, going for a bike ride, talk about God's word. Decorate your walls with scripture. Now, the Israelites were commanded to do things where they would hang little packets of scripture on their bodies. We could do that. Or you could also post scripture on your wall with some vinyl clings or laminate paper that has scriptural passages on it so you can hang it in your shower or in your bathroom over the sink or a bathtub. There are lots of ways we can immerse ourselves in scripture, and I encourage you to do that. We need to prove to ourselves and to our families that the most important words are not our Twitter feed, our Facebook feed, uh, Pinterest posts, uh, the gossip from the neighborhood or work, sports scores, or the latest weather report. The most important words are God's words in his holy scripture. So in closing, with that little challenge, let's return to the words of Joshua. Now in the final years of his life, in chapter 24, verse 15, he says, talking to the Israelites, he says, If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Midland free parents, children, as for you and your house, whom will you serve? Let's pray. Our heavenly father, God of Moses and Joshua and this local body of believers, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit so that we, we might, might obey you out of love for you. Give our children hearts of obedience. Give us all an unquenchable thirst for your word and give our parents wisdom and purpose and perseverance as they teach and discipline and train and raise up and build up their children in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.